G'day, dorks. My name's Philip, and welcome to Little Lords, a small but powerful episode of Dorktown, where I deep dive into some of my favourite series. So sit back, grab your body pillow, and get ready for some lukewarm takes, because this is Dorktown. Now, starting by stating the obvious, I'm not exactly into sport, be it the partaking of the activity, which due to a frankly sexual and deeply unhealthy relationship with the Colonel's Dirty Bird, which has left my body a soft growth hormone-filled nightmare, or watching others partake in the activity. I find the whole kit and caboodle rather dull, but being so far removed from the concept, I've always felt a little bit of an outsider amongst my Kingsmen. Australia is a sports-obsessed country. We fucking love the shit. We treat our cricket captain with the same pomp and circumstance as the Prime Minister. We follow our favourite AFL and NRL teams with such vigorous enthusiasm, even emotionally dead boomers can shed a tear in front of other emotionally dead boomers if their team loses, and their mates won't even call them the F-slur for doing it. We treat their off-field antics as headline nudes. We hang on their every slowly spoken word. And just this week, an Aussie cricket legend, Shane Warne, passed away, and I've never seen so many men cry in my life. There was genuine sorrow in the air. The last time I saw that many crying blokes, there was a cover band at the pub playing Cats in the Cradles. It was a genuine sorrow for the whole country. But that's fair enough. Warnie's a fucking legend, so R.I.P. King. But still... I simply don't get it. But never one to belittle others' preferences. I've happily tagged along to a few rugby league games in which I've bulk drank beers, yelled loudly at sweaty men that if given the chance could turn me into a paste on the concrete outside, and of course participated in the amazingly pointless Mexican wave which made me giddier than a farmer when it rains. I have even learnt to half-ass my way through a conversation with a half-pissed Gen X bloke with a belly full of grog and a head full of CTE, to the point where he doesn't immediately feel the need to stretch my $10 Kmart jock so far up my ass, I'd be able to taste the bargains. So I know the bare minimum required for me not to be bullied as an adult man, but I've had no desire to learn any more about it. Much like Britney Spears lyrics or whatever the fuck Elon Musk is doing, I could not have cared less. But last year, something changed. Now this could be a simple change of taste or... More likely, it was because if I watched another boring, fan-serviced, uninspired, absolutely rat-shit isekai with a protagonist as plain as a soggy piece of white toast with fake margarine on it, I was going to finally book in for that dream lobotomy I've always wanted. So with a sudden urge to engage in sports, I did what any grown man does that has more online streaming subscriptions than remaining brain cells. I watched as many sports anime as I could humanly do and said good enough. From the heartfelt boy love fest of haiku to the over-the-top ridiculousness of Kuroko's basketball, sports anime soon became one of my favourite genres. But one day I sat down to watch Baki, the anime equivalent to the UFC, and I quickly started to lose my fucking mind. I couldn't stop watching. I thought about it all the time. 
I started stance training in the shower. I fascinated about devoting my life to the pursuit of martial arts, turning my soft, callous-free hands into instruments of pure destruction. So today I wanted to review Bucky and explain how this muscle-packed, hyper-violent, testosterone-fueled slugfest wormed its way into my brain and soon became much more than just a show for me. So first of all, I've got to thank J-Ro, friend of the show, for recommending me to watch Barky. And in full disclosure, at the time he recommended it to me, I had no intentions of watching it ever. At that point, I still had 20 plus animes in my watch list and I was in no hurry to add another. It wasn't until months later that I got around to sitting down and watching it. And on the first look, Bucky is nothing more than an excuse for over-the-top nonsensical violence. But on the second look, it's nothing more than over-the-top nonsensical violence. So why have I become so obsessed with it? Well, it all kicks off with the introduction of the main quote-unquote villains of the arc, Five escaped death row inmates from across the globe. Five killing machines so dangerous and feared that each one of them is considered a threat to the entire human population. These terrifying men are on their way to Japan so they can finally know the taste of defeat. A tantalising prospect to these monsters who have known only victory. And as far as plot goes, that's fucking it. It's really that simple. And this is where the real appeal of Barky started making itself known to me. It's brutally simple goals and motivations for its characters and their unquestionable desire to achieve them at any cost really spoke to me. There's no subplots, no underhanded desires, no unknown motivations. You don't have to guess what certain characters are thinking or why they act the way they do. It's all laid out plain and simple. From soup to nuts, you know it all. And with the plot out of the way in the first couple of episodes, the next 20 or so consist of brutal fights between various muscle-bound beefcakes. The results in severed limbs, broken bones, severe lacerations, loss of eyes, and so many broken teeth that one is left to assume that the dental care available to escaped death row inmates and martial arts experts is world-class. The death row inmates provide a nice mix of fighting style and personality, and each of them is a true villain. They fight dirty and they hold no punches. From Dorian, a man so large one can only assume he has his own gravitational pull, and a master of Chinese Kempo, to Doyle, a British assassin who treated his body less like a temple and more like a teenager's 2002 Honda Civic with all the modifications he's shoved up in there. Their spec the American monster, who, and this is no exaggeration, punches the Statue of Liberty till it breaks. The Statue of Liberty. Russia joins the party with their escaped convict, Skrivotsky, a man whose knuckles slice through flesh with blood-curdling ease. 
Last but certainly not least, Yanagi, a practitioner of the void style martial arts, which essentially boils down to him creating little vacuums of air in the palm of his hands and using them to destroy bulletproof glass or suck the air out of the opponent's lungs. It's truly wild stuff. And with the five inmates on their way to taste defeat, we meet Bucky. The titular Bucky Hanma is a wonderfully bland protagonist with an equally vanilla love interest whose whole existence in the show can be boiled down to sex object slash cheerleader. Bucky is built like a brick shithouse and has a certain misunderstood bad boy energy about him, complete with a seductive beauty spot right above his powerful lips. Bucky's goal is a beautifully simple one, to become just a little stronger than his old man. It's rather unfortunate for him that his old man just happens to be the strongest person in the world, Yujiro the Ogre Hanma, who has unmatched fighting prowess, a beast-like personality and appearance, and unquenchable desire for strength. He is said to possess more raw power than any army on earth. More raw power than any army on earth. Earth. This is a martial arts anime. Just let that sink in. Yujiro is a monster on screen and makes for a fantastic antagonist for Baki. Some of the best moments in the series come from the few brief encounters Yujiro has with other fighters, not to mention the draw-dropping fight between him and the decrepit Chinese master Kaio Kaku during the Raitai tournament. This one fight between a barely walking 100-year-old Chinese man and the ogre is breathtaking and an absolute must-watch for any anime fans. Baki's desire to become stronger than his father leads him to face off with these escaped inmates. In fact, everything Baki does is in service of this one goal. He's solely motivated by this desire to beat his father, in one of the greatest examples of daddy issues committed to screen. And with Bucky being as bland as he is, there is a lot of room for other characters to shine in the series, such as Kaio Retsu, the Chinese Kempo master, with his ironclad honor, long, luscious ponytail. He's like if Master Splinter and Rapunzel had a baby, not to mention the English voice actor goes ham on the Chinese martial arts sounds. It's quite intense. His devotion to martial arts and particular Chinese Kempo leads to some of the best moments in the series, and he fills the role of mentor for Bucky and provides a much-needed father figure for the wayward child. There's Oliver Unchained, the most free man in America. This beefcake favours his grotesquely large muscles and godlike levels of raw strength over technique. Oliver is truly something to behold, whether he's weight training with a helicopter, eating a hundred steaks in a sitting, this slab of prime American beef brings a lot to the show. His dynamic personality and aggressively cocky behavior makes him unforgettable, not only in this show, but in all of anime. And with such a rich roster of characters, Baki never gets dull. For a show with a plot as thin as a supermodel from the early 2000s, You might be thinking, what's the point of watching Baki? There are plenty of amazing animes with great fight scenes as well as good plot. For instance, Seven Deadly Sin has amazing fight scenes, a halfway decent plot, 
that is engaging enough to get you through the series, even when the the animation gets so bad it looks like a drunk toddler drew it. Or even Dragon Ball Z with its breathtaking fights, rich lore and character development out the wazoo. You might be thinking that Bucky has less to offer than these other animes. And on the outset, you may be right. But although Bucky doesn't have some intricate plot full of twists and turns, it more than makes up for it with its bombastic, brutish and blood-curdling scenes that emphasise the animalistic and primal nature of its characters. It's a slogfest of epic proportions. Bucky doesn't need any of that faff. It's simplicity of its plot and character motivations that lead to what is great about Bucky. It's unapologetic in its thirst for violence and gore. It knows what its viewers want and it gives it to them consistently. Episodes of Bucky feel like a YouTube clip of best fight montages, and that's exactly what it should be. That being said, the lack of female representation is a huge drawback, and this could have easily been rectified with a badass female fighters. And the CGI eh, leaves a little bit to be desired in certain scenes. But all in all, I love Bucky. It was brutal and barbaric. I feel like it should be advertised the same way they do monster trucks. You know, pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. At the end of the day... There's no rhyme or reason for me to be obsessed with this show, but here I am. I'm dreaming about running away and joining the dojo, training under a wise old master while I stance train under a waterfall until my body has become sharper than steel and more deadly than any weapon. I love Bucky. I think it's fantastic. But also, if you didn't like it, I feel as though that's fine as well. It's not for everyone. Nothing is. But if you've ever shadowboxed in the shower or dreamt of becoming an absolute beefcake, Bucky will scratch that itch for you and then some. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and please send us a message with your thoughts on Bucky. And make sure you leave a review and rate the podcast and jump on the socials as well. But most importantly, keep it dorky.